Our scripture reading this evening is James chapter 1, verses 2 to 4. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Ramon, I think you uh, crushed that song. Is that what they had? That That was great. Hey, that was good. That was good. (laughs) All right, so uh, for the most part, I think in our series, our marriage series, uh, we've had some high doses of reality. And uh, when you're looking at reality and you realize that Brokenness in all of our marriages, all of our marriages, um, is not really a surprise. Um, it, it's what had to happen for us to see it. Um, nothing, nothing you could have done, I could have done to stop the brokenness in our marriages. There's uh, no strategy, no book reading, no conference. Like it, it, it couldn't have stopped. And the reason why we know that is because we don't live in Eden. And we're not in the nude city. Not the nude city, the new city. <laughs> wow. Let's splice that one out. Uh, so when we, we've seen the brokenness in our marriages that is talking about reality and the real way that Jesus walks with us inside of that brokenness, not, not waiting for us to get better, but walks with us in that brokenness. Uh, as, especially if um, you've been married um, 7, 11 years, 15 years, um, there are more and more cracks that actually come into marriage because you, you've changed as people. Um, it's not a, marriage is not a static thing because you have changing people. Now, um, because we were talking a lot of reality in our, uh, the first part of our series, the first four, um, I think it was really encouraging that we saw that brokenness and we, we get assured, like, oh, Jesus is our forgiveness here. Jesus, so, so I do think there's encouraging aspects, but I, on the whole, um, I think a lot of us could have felt a little depressed about, like, whoa, that's, that's a lot. That's a lot. Because it's no fun talking about all your junk inside your marriage. Um, and, and so if we just talked about the brokenness and how Jesus forgives, it doesn't really give us a compelling vision of what marriage could be. And I'm not talking about in the new city. I said it right that time. I'm talking about what marriage can be in the brokenness before, before we die. Um, and I think we can, I can give you a compelling, wonderful vision for marriage uh, without being smarmy or sentimental, like staying in the reality and yet offer this really compelling vision for marriage. And I think that's, we need that. Uh, so if, if there's an inspiring um, a segment in our marriage series is hopefully this is uh, the one that's a little bit more positive. Um, so that's what I want to a- accomplish. I want to give you a, a positive, exciting, beautiful vision for marriage um, in brokenness as we're being renewed by him. Okay, so this is where we're going to go is I'm going to talk about James and the giant J curve, and I want to talk about how a renewed marriage brings renewal. A renewed marriage brings renewal uh, around it. 
So let's look at James and the giant J-curve. Now, uh, just a reminder, um, um, some of you have different categories. We've been using J-curve. Uh, I know the, the ladies in their Bible study, they, they used, um, was it uh, life, loss, and then what was the next one? I don't know. I wasn't in the study, all right? Um, uh, so you have different categories, but, but what we want to look at is... Um, You've seen these categories, these five different categories of um, God's story. So let, can we go forward to the, um, I think I put it, yeah. Uh, this is, this is the, the whole story of, of the world, right, is that there's creation, it was perfect, but then sin, brokenness entered into that. Um, uh, Christ offers redemption for all of the brokenness, and uh, now after that, um, there's a period of renewal, because of God's spirit in us, um, we participate with God, bringing renewal um, to the world, all right? And then there's going to be a day when there's gonna be full, complete, perfect restoration. So, so where we are is if you follow Jesus, you've realized, okay, Jesus is my righteousness, Jesus is my forgiveness, he is all the work, I don't supply that, it's not about me doing good works or staying away from bad things, it's he, he takes care of it, he's reconciled us to God, and now, um, before we die, uh, we're in this stage of renewal, and you could overlay your marriage on that. Uh, Paul Miller gave it to us a different way, and I used this a few weeks ago, is um, he talked about his uh, J-curve. And this J-curve, you can apply over all little categories of your life, like your career, your job, your relationships with your mom, uh, your, your sibling, um, your boss. Uh, uh, you, can, you can overlay this uh, on, on a lot of different parts of your life. And sometimes a part of your life will be, uh, um, at one part of your life will be at one stage and another part of your life will be at another stage in this. So just a review is um, usually, you know, when you have a new relationship, it, it's new and exciting. You've got the butterflies, you think about it all the time. The other person seems really, really wonderful. And then, and then there's the first red flags, right? And, um, and they're like question marks. They're like, I don't know. They, you kind of, they kind of annoy me here. Or I didn't know that about them. And whoa, I can't handle all that. Uh, and, then, and then over time, all of those red flags and all those cracks and brokenness, what it does is it really it kills the dream. And you're like, wow, um, I really don't like this person anymore. And um, so the dream of that relationship dies. And then, in, especially in Christianity, in trust, you say, okay, it's dead. Jesus, you have to resurrect it by your power. And so what happens is something new has to happen to this relationship, and it's going to be better than our imaginations were from the beginning. So that's Paul Miller's J-curve. Um, the reason why I say that is um, uh, when we have and experience hundreds of J-curves. Now let's overlay it on marriage with our spouse. Um, we are going to live this J-curve hundreds of times with the person that we love the most and are most intimate with. It's gonna happen. You don't just say, hey, we went through a tough time and then whew, I don't have to do any more J-curves. No, this is, this is the entire um, scope and trajectory of the Christian life is that, I'm, oh, I, I'm experiencing death and renewal, death and renewal all the time. Uh, so with this J-curve is a lifetime of experiencing those J-curves with your spouse. A marriage is going to be made steadfast. A marriage is going to be made steadfast. Now, I know that probably does not sound very compelling, but I've got to do um, my work there. Okay, where do I get that? 
I get it from Big James. And he says this, um, count it all joy, my brethren and sistren, um, when you meet <laughs> trials of various kinds. Okay. Now, he seems a little psycho starting out because he says, count it all joy. And you're like, I don't know, buddy. I don't know who you hang out with, but like we're not cheering for trials and hard times. So already, you're like, okay, what are you doing, James? This is what he's saying. You will be pressed upon. You will be pressed upon. Uh, if you remember the illustration I had is of the toothpaste tube. When there is pressure from the outside and you squeeze that tube, toothpaste comes out. And I said, that's a, a lot of what these external variables of pressure and trial can do to us. It will squeeze out what's already inside. And that's what has happened in a lot of our marriages, is that these cracks and these stresses, not necessarily all with a person, but externally so, will press and squeeze things that you didn't want to come out for the, for the other person. Um, so this is what he says. Verse three. You know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. Now, this is really profound, really profound. When I trust in Jesus' cross and resurrection, right, covering all the death that I've, I've killed, all the things in my life, right, <laughs> these relationships, these, these, these uh, connections to other, I, I've killed them, but when I trust that Jesus' cross covers that, and I believe that his resurrection is going to make something of the mess that I've made. When I put my weight on that and I trust it, I trust the cross and the resurrection inside of this pain, inside of this suffering. Um, James says it produces steadfastness. Um, We'll apply this to marriage, but, but let me describe this in a different category first. Um, if my approval ratings are low, and I know people are unhappy with me, there's a death happening to my reputation. Um, for, for many people, having the approval of their peers is like experiencing a death. They're like, if I don't have that, I don't even want to live. So faith in trial, faith in pain looks like this. I am going to trust that the mutilation of my reputation will not end me. That's been poured out on Jesus. It will not be the end of me. It won't be the end of my story. It won't be the end of my flourishing. I'm going to trust that Jesus has carried that and forgiven me for it. Now, because the resurrection is true, I'm going to believe that whatever I'm going through through my death of reputation is going to result in a better version of life that I have not yet imagined because the resurrection is true. That's, that's using your faith. That's what Paul or uh, James says. That's using your faith inside of a trial. You, you test it out. You work it out inside of a trial. Okay, now let's do this. 
Um, I think this seems anticlimactic because James says something that seems to my ears, okay, you go through all this trial and you go through all these pain points and it produces and yields steadfastness. That's like, that's like um, saying, you know, someone says, you've won a great prize. And you're like, what is it? And they're like, it's a head of broccoli. <laughs> you're like, whoa. Okay, come again? That's what it feels like. You're like, James, you just gave me some broccoli. Uh, but but I, want you, I want us to see how it's not broccoli. I, I mean, broccoli's fine. Yeah, I'm not, everyone's like, don't tell the children that. Um, uh, but it does seem like the, not the reward I wanted for going through the trial, doesn't it? It just seems like steadfastness. Oh, like, so I am able to go through more pain. Awesome. Like, like it, doesn't, it doesn't seem like a gift. Uh, but this is where, I, I was so impressed by this. This is where the commentators were really effusive. I, I, I mean, and they, they, they were kind of one voice here and super clear is James is riffing on an idea, an old school, Old Testament idea about the Lord. He's riffing on this, is that it's the idea of, and it's a Hebrew word, chesed, chesed love. It's covenant love, unconditional love, unceasing love. It, uh, um, what, what is uh, Lamentations 3? This is where we, the steadfast love of the Lord never stops. This is what he's riffing on. He's like, all of this pain, you're J-curving with your spouse. You know what it's going to do? It's going to create a steadfastness that is loving. Unfailing, rock-solid steadfastness is what? It's committed type of love. And James gets that. This is why it's just so powerful to me. I was so impressed with this. Um, a couple weeks ago, I said this, it's, it's wise to locate your marriage. And what I meant by that was um, we have to honor the fact that, one, um, um, you know, your spouse is not your enemy, even though sometimes it feels like it, right? So you recognize, okay, they're not my enemy. And then, two, I said locating it is that, and I, I'm repeating myself a little bit, is that we're going to recognize that my spouse has a family history and has stresses and anxieties and, and brokenness that is informing how they are. It's not just like they're horrible people. No, we have a lot of sin pressing on from outside. And I said, let's locate our, let's give your marriage some context. That's what I meant by locating your marriage. Um, but, but, but this is what James gets something, and this is, I think, is so powerful. Um, for the person in the marriage living in trust and faith, experiencing these J-curves, these trials and pains, something else gets squeezed out of the tube. It's not all bad stuff. Something else gets squeezed out of the tube, and it squeezes out steadfastness, that rock-solid, unfailing, committed, all-in, never-stopping love. And it's just not for the self is it? It's for anybody who comes into path. So how do I know this? James told me in verse four, and let steadfastness have its full effect. So think restoration here. Think completion. Think renewal to rehabbing something to better than it was that you may be perfect 
incomplete, lacking in nothing. That's restoration language. Do do you see that? Steadfastness is restoration language. And this is what James is saying. It's like when you J-curve, when you're going through pains and trials, something else is going to get squeezed out of your tube in your marriage. And it's going to be steadfast. It's, It's going to be good. And it's going to renew yourself and your marriage and anybody who comes in that orbit. That's profound. That is so profound to me. The pressing will squeeze out God's steadfastness in you. That's hard to say. (laughs) Okay, this brings us to this. It's really um, a renewed marriage will also bring about renewal. I'm just ripping off James. A renewed marriage will also bring about renewal. Okay, it doesn't exist for itself. Um, uh, do you remember the point in uh, Genesis 12, and, and I think that I have, I, there's a slide for it, but in Genesis 12, um, God is speaking to Abraham or Abram, and he's establishing his relationship with him. And he says something, and he says, Abe, I'm going to make of you a great nation. And, Abe, I'm going to bless you and I'm going to make your name great. Is that the end? Abe's like, sweet. Great nation. Um, big name. Awesome. I will be great. It doesn't end there, does it? No, he says, I'm going to bless you so that, so that, so that. That so that is huge. I'm going to bless you and make you great so that you will bless others and make others great. It it doesn't exist. You don't exist for yourself, Abe. Let's overlay that on marriage. Um, What's the point here? God doesn't bless your marriage or my marriage with steadfastness so we're like, sweet, I, am, I have a happy marriage and there are no problems. He doesn't do that. He says, if I'm going to do the renewal part in your marriage, you, that marriage is going to exist to bring renewal. That marriage is going to, so let me ask this, this is a, a, ch- a challenge question. Does your marriage exist for something other than itself? Uh, this is, this is, this is going to call your rebooted, rehabbed, renewed marriage to do something together. That's what it's going to call you to do. Um, all right, so if you talk to high schoolers or students, um, I did youth ministry for a while, uh, uh, they, they have two primary desires uh, when they start imagining maybe a future marriage. So, so the first one is um, the, po- the real possibility of physical pleasures. That's the first one. Two, it will stop the aloneness and the isolation that they feel. Okay? Two primary desires. Now, um, the, those are actually incredible biblical ideas, by the way. They were naked and not ashamed. Check, want to get married. Two, right? It is not good... That man should be alone. Check, want to get married. So those are actually really good biblical desires 
that we get from our high schoolers. <laughs> yes, that is a great desire for marriage. Here's the thing, though. Those ideas are incredible. But most imaginations for marriages, even adults, not just high schoolers, stop right there. Right? Um, good physical chemistry and a solid friendship. And it stops. Like, if, if I have that, like, I've, I've lucked out. I, I, I've lucked out. Um, the call to Adam and Eve, this is what I want us to walk into, is the call to Adam and Eve was not just to exist, like eating fresh melons and honeymooning all day. No, 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 it wasn't that. It was a call, and I mean this in a very, very wide sense. Um, it was a call to procreation, and I don't mean just making babies, okay? It was a call to mimic the creative work of God. Uh, um, it, it was a call to uh, take God's raw materials and shape them up and create something new and cool with them. That, that's the call that Adam and Eve have. It's, it's, it's the call to make cool things with his resources, and not just cool things, but things that are uh, long-lasting, generative, meaning like you make stuff that also makes cool stuff, right? It's generative, and then it causes renewal and flourishing. Wherever. That's, that call was for, for Adam and Eve. All right. Um, you might remember from our faith and work series uh, about a year ago is that when we were talking about faith and work, we were saying God has called. Never, he never intended creation to stop after six days. Never intended that. Our, our, he wanted his image bearers to just create, create, and make, and make, and make. That's, it's part of what we should do. Um, now, this is a huge vision. I think it's a compelling vision for me. Um, of what a marriage is working toward. It's not just that we get along, have good physical friendship, uh, uh, good, you know, good physical chemistry, I'm, I'm, I'm stuttering now, uh, and, and a solid friendship, right? It's not just that. Uh, yes, nakedness without shame and friendship, awesome. And creating beautiful things, especially in this brokenness, Agents of renewal. Your marriage can be an agent of renewal for whatever comes in this path. I think that's compelling. That's a big vision. And so I think a marriage needs a purpose for procreation. What are we working for? Um, in, in premarital counseling over the years, uh, when, I, when I sit down with a couple, um, I, I ask this question. It's like, okay, what's the plan? Like, what are you guys, work, what are you guys working for? Like, what, what's... And, and, and you get a lot of it. You're like, um, it'd be awesome to get in the real estate market. It'd be, you know, it, 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 it'd be great to have a few kids, um, some vehicles, set aside some college. Like, you know, they're shaping up. Like, what, what are you guys working for? Um, and then I ask this question is, how will you know, how will you know, what metrics are you using to know when you've gotten enough stuff? Like, Let's talk about that now. Let's talk about where all your resources are going. What are you working for? And how will you know when you've arrived so you just don't keep on clicking on Amazon all day? Like, like what's the plan? What, what are you guys going to work together for? Well, and so I'm the annoying pastor that um, I'm like, hey, your marriage needs a mission vision statement. And they're like, oh, dude, I, look, 
look, um, we just want to be naked and unashamed and go for long walks and get bulb on the weekends. Like, come on, man, mission vision, my marriage, uh, I'm, I'm that guy. Because I want their marriage to work towards something. Uh, now, now, this is what I'm going to do. I want to look at one aspect. I had like a dozen of these, but I, I'm not going to do it to you. I said, I just told myself, let's, let, me, let me give you one. I want to look at one aspect about how a marriage intent and experiencing that J-curve that produces steadfastness is, does something that is long-term, generative, and brings renewal and flourishing all around it. So let's just, talk, let's just talk children. This is the one aspect I want to I touch on. Um, I, I, only know this, I only know of this marriage from afar, okay? So I don't know all the intimate details. Um, it's always a lot grimier, right, the, the closer you get. So I only know this marriage from afar. Um, but it's the marriage of Jonathan and Susan. And um, by all accounts, uh, they had this incredibly deep friendship. It, it seems almost like an uncommon friendship. Uh, they would go for these um, 45 minute to an hour daily walks with each other. And uh, they had a favorite uh, big kind of shade tree that they would walk to and they would post up under the shade tree and they would read uh, and write. Um, and uh, sometimes they would hold each other, you know, I'm the spoon this time, and you be the spoon next time. I don't, I don't know what it was. But, like, sometimes when they had to write something down, they would use each other's backs, you know, to, oh, just right there. And, and you get this, <laughs> you're like, this, come on, come on, really? Like, maybe when you're dating, maybe. But really, this is, this is a little too much to stomach. Um, here's the thing, though is uh, Jonathan and Susan did not have an easy life. So you're like thinking, oh, they have, they have all this time luxury to, to do this. No, they had a very, very difficult life. Uh, deaths, controversies, frustrating, rejection, communal and otherwise, in many ways, just a, just a very difficult life. Uh, but their marriage had this fruit of steadfastness that built steadfastness and created more steadfastness. Who is this guy? Jonathan Susan. Jonathan Edwards, America's preacher. Listen to, listen to uh, the descendants that came from Jonathan and Susan. 13 college presidents, 65 college professors, 75 military officers, 80 public servants, 60 authors, 60 doctors, 30 judges, 100 pastors, sorry for them, um, 100 lawyers, three U.S. senators, and one vice president. Now, you could say, um, yeah, but Tim, statistically speaking, like, you could just select some historical rando, and there's going to be a lot of stuff that happens. Certainly, you know, we'll get doctors and lawyers and their descendants too, right? Um, th there's uh, Richard Dugdale, 
uncovered these um, records that the state of New York had kept on um, prisoners and their lineage and descendants. And uh, he did this study of Max Jukes, who was a contemporary of Edwards. And he was um, in jail, in prison, a lot of his life, in and out. And, um, and so uh, they were able to do some sort of comparative study. Like, okay, what happens with the descendants here? Seven murderers, 60 thieves, 190 prostitutes, 150 other convicts, three, uh, um, 310 completely impoverished, um, 440 were um, uh, alcoholics who died prematurely, and then um, of the 1,200 descendants that were studied, 300 had died prematurely. Look, we're talk when we talk about children in our marriage, we're not just trying to get them out of the house and they can pay their own bills and, 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 and not be a strain on our resources and also retire, are we? Like, that's, like there's a bigger, long-term, compelling vision of what a marriage can do that is what? Long-lasting, and it's generative, and it brings renewal almost in every corner. Um, that's a renewed marriage that is trusting the cross and the resurrection in those pain points, and it produces and squeezes out steadfastness, rock-hard, unfailing, committed, beautiful love. Let's pray towards that in this great vision of marriage, okay? Let's do that. Jesus, um, would you um, uh, call into our hearts with huge visions of what we can do together with our spouse. May it cover our money and our, 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 our time and, and our energies as we work together to bring renewal, be agents of renewal. Like we long, this, this, is, this is a compelling version of marriage. And we, and we ask for it. We ask for your Holy Spirit's work to renew us Renew us inside of our pain, inside of our struggle, inside of our brokenness, inside of our sin. We're asking for that. We want this. And we know intently we don't have the power to make that come about unless you show up. So show up in our hearts and show up in our marriages for the good of the world. In Jesus' name, amen.